And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to episode number 15 of the Lace Em Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. Quick shout out to Jamie Langenberg, Thomas Caberley, Danny Heatley, and all those who were number 15 in their NHL careers. This is episode 15, as I previously mentioned. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Laysome Podcast. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Laysome Up on Facebook. You can check us out there. Um, we also have this up on SoundCloud. Uh, might be listening that uh, through that mechanism. We're also right on now. iTunes, too. And iTunes, too, yes. And, and give us a five-star rating or yes. rate us, whatever, to help all our... Yeah. Uh, and you can stats. send us any hockey-related questions you may have, laceupbag at gmail.com. We always want to hear from you. We don't want to just dabble about uh, what we want to talk about. We want to hear from you as well. So if you got any questions or comments, send them our way. A uh, couple of notable signings uh, to mention, uh, as well as another milestone for Alexander the Great. Uh, and first off, we are going to start with what topic today, Brett? Well, yeah, you just you just said it yourself. We're going to talk about Ovechkin first. Okay. Um, I feel like that's a bigger deal than the second topic we have right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so on. Uh, I believe was it Monday? I think it was Monday. Ovech- it was Sunday where he set the record. Oh, was it Sunday? Okay. I would know. It was against my favorite. Right, 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 right. I thought it may have been on Monday, but anyways, he got uh, he uh, sc- he scored his five hundredth goal. In um, on Sunday against your Ottawa Senators, and then um, followed it up with goal number five hundred one later yeah. in the game in a seven to one. Where, where he after he played yeah. in his eight hundredth career in game. Yeah, I was about to say. So he's five. He got five hundred one goals in eight hundred one games. He's yep. the fifth fastest to five hundred. Um, in his five hundredth and first goal, um, was even more impressive considering that he beat out. Eric Carlson, um, who's good defensively on that goal, um, which is hard to do, I, I, I meant to say. Um, so it's, yeah. uh, but this all begs the question, where does he rank all time, um, and if he's the greatest scorer ever? Well, he's a six-time 50-goal scorer. He scored at least 30 goals in every single NHL season he's played in. He has 27 goals as of Sunday uh, afternoon. Um, when we record this podcast, he shot the puck over 200 times in every single NHL campaign he has played in. His career low for shots on goal in the season is 220, and that was during a lockout-shortened 2012-2013 campaign, which saw him score 32 goals, which is pretty impressive. If you exclude that year, this is a guy who will shoot the puck at least 300 times a season. And he should easily continue that trend this year as he's only 80 shots on goal shy of 300 at last check. Now, he might be 30 years old, but if he can sustain this kind of success, I think he's going to surpass Brett Hall in the all-time scoring race. And I think he can surpass Gordy Howe's 801 career NHL goals as well. This isn't just the best goal scorer of his generation. He could very well be the best goal scorer ever. I think if you look at a guy who is more than capable of catching Wayne Gretzky's 894 goals, the closest thing you will get um, in the modern-day era to that is Alexander Ovechkin. And if he can't surpass Wayne Gretzky, then nobody can. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking at it right now. Ovechkin has 501. I be- well, I believe he has more than that right now. But... Well, 502, yeah. yeah. If, you I can, believe... if you count the goal he scored today. Right. I think he scored another one... Uh, sometime in this week too, so he might be at five of three, I think. But yeah, I'm looking according to Hockey Reference. Wayne Gretzky has eight ninety four goals, and he leads he leads all time. Um, so that would mean, and he's thirty years old, so that means he would have to have you know three hundred goals. He's probably going to retire around like thir- when he's like thirty six, thirty seven, I'd say. Just a rough estimate, maybe third. You know, maybe he has ten more years with him. So that I mean, he could do it. He would just need, you know, he needs like four hundred more goals um, to do actually do it. And I could see him. I could see it happening. Um, 
if he can sustain this kind of success, we don't know what level he's going to be at, obviously, in about True. five or ten years. But, like, this is, going to be playing in that time. this is coming from a guy who, like, I don't think he's ever really gotten injured for long periods of time. Um, yeah, compared been on his side for sure. Compared to like a guy like Sidney Crosby, who is someone you who has been compared to all his career. You know, Crosby's always injured. Or it's, it feels like, whereas yeah. Ovechkin, you know, doesn't isn't as um, isn't as injury prone, I should say. Um, but um, yeah, but like at the, at the same time. With the way that Ovechkin plays, with all the hits that he makes and all the, you know, he plays very aggressively, of course, and all the shots he takes. I don't know how long he'll yeah, he'll be able to. Tear, what point is the wear and tear? Gonna yeah, he's still he's still I'd still say that he'd be he's he'll be like a at a like a Yager pace is now or a Ginla pace right now, but yeah. I don't know if he'll ever be as like good as he was a couple of years ago when he had, like, I don't think he'll ever get 50 goals again, you know. And you look at the gradual goal-scoring decline of the great one, too. In his final eight NHL seasons, Wayne scored 30 goals just once. He was a 20-25 to 25 goal scorer in only two other seasons. And his final season, he was a nearly a point-per-game player, but he only scored nine times. Yeah. So even though a scoring toucher's thing, like I said, it's only a point per game player, certainly close to that. But uh, you, you gotta wonder at, at at some point, you know, with the fatigue factor, like I said, is is gonna factor into things. Yeah. You know, at some point That's you're true. gonna see a gradual decline. It's it's just gonna be how much of a decline is Ovechkin gonna go through. At this point, we don't know. True. But if he keeps up at this pace, it's certainly reachable. But if yeah. he has a couple of Injury riddled seasons, or his scoring touch just kind of goes awry for a little bit. Right, uh, it might not be possible to catch him, but uh, I haven't seen that from him yet. So I'm, I'm, I'm not shutting down the possibility, but he's still got a long way to go here, right? Right, and I, I mean, in terms of where does he rank all time, he's definitely not at the Gretzky, Yager, Lemieux range, but he's getting there if he still is consistent. Um, yeah, he's, uh, of his generation, yeah. he's definitely the greatest. And yeah, and that was that was the other of thing his I have to too. But like, yeah, because I mean, it, if you look at today's NHL, we talk about all. It's That's all about what I was getting to. Yeah, that the team comes first, and the goals don't come as fast and furious. But Ovechkin always seems to change that, and guys like him are tougher and tougher to find. If you look at Patrick Kane, for example, his career stat line, you watch him dominate a game. Yeah. And you realize that his hat trick against the Maple Leafs this past week was the first regular season hat trick of his NHL career. And he's got 28 goals, or coming up on 30 goals. That's how rare a goal scoring machine is in today's league. And once the grade 8 calls it quits, you got to wonder could this be the end of an era? Yeah, no, that, that was the point I was about to make, too, is that in this era that where goals are going down, it's impressive. Like, Ovechkin's definitely the greatest scorer. You have to, like, you know, adjust the eras that Ovechkin is compared to a guy like Brett Hull or Pavel Bure were, um, who are also, like, known as, like, the best scorer ever. Um, So, like, from that sense, like, in terms of goalies getting better, there's more, there's better defensive schemes out there. Um, I think it, you know, you can make, you could definitely make a case and a, a strong argument for Ovechkin being the greatest scorer ever, just in terms of the fact that in this era it's so much harder to score uh, than it was in the past um, when Gretzky was alive or when um, Pavel Bure was alive or Brett Hull. Um, have you kind of noticed that Ovechkin and Gretzky, they, they seem to have a, a right-hand man for most of the goals. Like throughout Gretzky's yeah. career, he had Yari Curry. Throughout most of Ovechkin's career, he has had Nicholas Backstrom. Yeah, that's another good point. Yeah, and also, I, I, it's always it's always interesting that, like, of course, his I think it was his 500th goal. Of course, it was on that little circle that he always score. He always yeah, shoots from. Yeah, bread and butter. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like even you like you know the guy is good. Like when opponents know it's going to happen, and he still is successful yeah. in doing it. Uh, you know for, it's coming. You can't do anything. Yeah, to stop you can't, just can't do anything to stop it. I was I actually what I was um, 
I was actually at a Capitals Bruins game, their their past game before, and I was just watching Ovechkin the entire time. And like during the power play, you're just like he's just literally like just waiting at the circle, just like waiting to get the puck. Um, all right, so then we'll go on to the next topic with uh, certainly the, someone who's the exact opposite of Ovechkin, John Scott. Um, as we, generating as much attention, though. Yeah, it's certainly generating as much attention right now. Uh, yeah, so he, um, as just a refresher, he got voted in as an all-star. People made it kind of a big deal about it because it's like, you know, it's ruining the integrity of the game. And made was, him a captain, too. Yeah, they made him a captain. He was, I mean, that was the only reason why he was in. And, um, you know, it was kind of like known as like, Kind of like a a joke vote because they wanted to see the worst player in the NHL get in and see how they would do. Um, It was kind of like a F you to the league from the fans. Um, So anyways, uh, John Scott got traded from uh, for Tenardi and I think another guy I'm blanking on the name. But um, Victor Victor Barkley, I think, also went to Montreal. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, John Scott, as, uh, before all this, John Scott was known as the guy who, uh, concussed Louis Erickson, or the guy, as probably most Canadians know him, as the guy who tried to, who chased Phil Kessel around with a stick, um, a couple of years ago. So he's, he's definitely a goon, um, and then he was just put in his AHL, and then there's this tweet that Bob McKenzie said, that John Scott was previously asked by both the NHL and the Arizona Coyotes to bow out of the NHL All-Star game. He refused, and the trade was likely will likely take care of that. Um, so, from my, I'll just go with my opinion. I, I think, knowing our opinions off the air, I think we're gonna we we both have differing opinions here. I'll just say mine. I'm saying like I think it's. Yes, it is unfair that the NHL stepped in, if this is all true, that, like, you know, this is a conspiracy to get him out of the All-Star game. Um, I think that it is unfair, because, you know, it's like a fan vote. Like, then I feel like you can't trust the NHL anymore. Like, if you don't want, if you want certain players to get in, you know, don't have a fan vote kind of thing. But at the same time, the only reason why he was in the All-Star game to begin with was because of a you know, because they wanted to see the worst player ever in the All-Star game. And they're trying to, like, make a travesty of the All-Star game. Um, like, I, I don't care either way. I, I would watch anyways. So, like, there is that element of, like, you know, you would get more people to watch just to see how he's going to do. Um, so, I don't, personally, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um but, like, I can see both sides to it, I guess. Yeah. Um, what's your opinion on it? Well, if you recall, a few days after he, uh, before the trade happened, he was assigned to their AHL affiliate, uh, Arizona's AHL affiliate. Um, second or ter- third time this season, that has happened. And he was put on waivers and no one claimed him. Then traded to Montreal, the Habs elect to keep him in the American Hockey League over the weekend. Now he's in a different division, not to mention a different conference, so the odds of taking part in the All-Star festivities are basically, as we mentioned, slim to none for a guy who's now playing for his seventh NHL organization. Mm -hmm. Um, He was in the Coyotes lineup 11 times this year, and he's only played in at least 50 games a season in just two of his eight NHL campaigns. Um, Now here's an interesting... uh, so now, he, here's the other side to the story, if you want to hear about this. Um, the Arizona Brats is defending their decision to trade the enforcer. I got this information from Complete Hockey News, the Facebook uh, hockey uh, page that I follow, and this guy is friends in high places, so I trust his sources. Here's what was said in the article by Arizona Coyotes GM Doug Maloney, who thought about waiting until after the All-Star game to trade John Scott but ultimately had to do what was best for the team and pull the trigger in fear the deal would fall through if they waited three weeks. We have the maximum 23 players on our roster, said the Coyotes GM. Someone had to go. When you look at our lineup, he made the most sense. To suggest that this was part of us 
not wanting him in the All-Star game or not to be working in the NHL. I'm dumbfounded by that statement. We wanted Jer- we wanted Jared Tenorti, and we think our coaching staff can work with him. Now, frankly, I don't blame John Scott one bit. I kind of feel sorry for the guy. He will never get a chance like this again, more than likely. So why in the world would you decline the option to participate in what could be a once-in-a-lifetime experience? Right. Especially with your wife and kids interested in uh, coming to the And especially to since... And he has three on three with some of the best NHL talents. Why in the world would you say, uh, I'll, I'll pass? And he has twins on the way, too. Yeah. So the NHL wants to get people watching the All-Star game. I've addressed this several times. If you want to grab people's attention, do something that hasn't been done before and probably won't happen again, a.k.a. an enforcer playing three on three. Does that not grab your attention or am I being cynical here? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it it will. I, I'm definitely not not dis- disagreeing you on. Uh, I'm not disagreeing with you on that. Um, but uh, I think at the same time, it's like um, I can see the opposite end of that. Like, yeah, it's a terrible situation. I'm sure he's a nice guy, um, and he'd have a good time there. As well as the fact that like you have a fan vote, like. If you're going to have a fan vote, you have to yeah, honor it. Expect, right? Yeah, yeah. They voted in Gergensen's last year. Right. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like, is that a joke vote, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's hard to take them seriously, and that's... So I, I get that, and that's... But it, it feels also kind of hypocritical at the same time, because cause there were so many people when, it was, when the All-Star game was... When the captains were announced that had a problem with John Scott, and now... Now that he's, you know, now that he's not going to probably play, you know, you can't, um, now they're all saying like, well, you know, this is just unfair, you know, the NHL is interfering with it. So, I don't and, know. and I agree with Maloney, you know, saying that Jared Tenorti is not going to be on the train block forever and you'd be wise to snag him while he still have the chance to do so. But Mark Bergevin is a reasonable guy. Right. I do not buy the argument for a second that they couldn't have waited for another three weeks to yeah. put pen to paper and make this trade right. happen. Let John Scott get to experience the biggest weekend of his life. This <laughs> trade isn't going to make or break anyone's season. Yeah. So what's another three weeks? Why make the decision to trade him right now? You had several opportunities to get him off the team before. You couldn't get it done. And you then you make the trade three weeks before the big game? Absolutely ridiculous. And that brings me to my final point, and a rather redundant point, but I'm going to make it anyway. No one was going to win here. After Friday's trade, it is safe to say, in my opinion, everyone has officially lost. The NHL gave its fans too much of an influence in the all-star voting, and they paid the price. To try and right the wrong, the NHL and the Arizona Coyotes, in my opinion, did the cowardly thing, traded him to a different division, made sure he was ineligible to play in the big game, and they took the coward's way out. Instead of restoring some form of order and integrity, in my opinion, I think the NHL achieved the exact opposite and showed just how much of a disgrace this situation has become. And this disgrace isn't John Scott's fault on any terms. He didn't demonstrate to anybody, mind you, that he belonged in this event, and someone else, yes, should have been named to the team instead of him in the first place. There are plenty of names I would put ahead of John Scott. That's beside the point. Now he's the one getting robbed. And that's not fair to him. It's not fair to his family. I mean, the guy made t-shirts for his now <laughs> former teammates a day before he got traded, oh, yeah. basically saying, thanks for having my back. Uh, it's a sad story with no happy ending. Yeah, that's that's a good point that I hadn't really thought about. And I think that's a good way to end this topic is that yeah no one can win the fans don't win because they didn't get what they wanted the nhl looks like the bad guys here and john scott doesn't have to play um so it's like um yeah you could and 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 when you think about it there's no way they could have won anyone could have won anyways you know other than letting him play yeah it's a good point all right uh so then we let's go on to the uh rapid fire um We're at 20 minutes here, so 
Yes, we have a ton of time, but we have a lot of uh, topics here for a rapid fire, so I try to plan it out this way. Uh, so Kopitar got uh, $80 million over eight years, um, which is $10 million per year, um, which I think is, is that actually worth it? He's probably one of the best two-way forwards out there. Um, Bergeron and Taze are probably better in that sense, but... Um, you know, you can't go wrong. He's a key part to the Kings team and a key part to why they won those two cups uh, previously. So um, I, I like this move. Um, it does also put pressure on guy uh, Stamkos and Tavares because they're going to probably get a, a lot um, more money because, you know, this is at the rate that Kopitar got $80 million over eight years. Stamkos and Tavares are probably going to be like, well, if Kopitar got that much, you know, I, I'm, you know, we're we're yeah, definitely yeah, more yeah, worth yeah, more than that. that. Kind of money. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I th- I like that deal. Yeah, you know. Like Stamkos, you know, he hasn't been in the league for as long as Kopitar, sure. and you look at the fact he scored 30 or more goals in a season four times, scored 60 goals in his fourth year, a feat Kopitar has never accomplished, he scored at least 40 goals in a season three times, Anze has never scored 40 plus in a <laughs> single year. So, to allude to your previous question, Stamkos is going to be asking himself, gee, if Kopitar is making that much coin... What's stopping me from getting yeah. that much in Tampa or anyone else? And um, as a Bruins fan, I'm obligated to mention that Bergeron has uh, uh, has the best contract in the NHL. He's making yeah. like four million um, or something like that um, a year, whereas Taze and Kopitar, who are you know you could compare to, are making a lot more. Um, as far as defensemen go, John Klingberg is probably the biggest steal. Yeah. Uh, well, actually. Tavares and Sagan are also up there too because they're on yeah, nice contracts. Yeah, Sagan's probably going to be asking for a lot of it when, when his contract finally <laughs> yeah, exactly. comes up if he keeps performing at this. But I don't think that's going to happen for a while. So yeah, yeah I don't. Th- I think he has a. You can thank Chirelli for that. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Cam Talbot. Uh, this was just announced today. So Cam Talbot got twelve point five million for five years. Roughly four million per year. This is actually a strange contract because he just started doing well. Um, it was just this month, and it's like. A, and speaking of Torelli, it's like um, it is like he tends to do this at times. Like when a player gets hot, you know, for a spurt of time, he signs them to a contract, and then all of a sudden they start, you know, doing badly. So it's it's an interesting move, um, I'd say. But I mean, if. If he is doing well, he won. Yet I he won uh, yesterday. I guess um, you know he's finally got his groove back, but um, it could go south very soon. Well, again, he's playing on the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, he was yep. playing on the New York Rangers last year. It's it's not bad money for a guy who was once the backup to Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah, um, he's only given up three goals in a game just three times since December the seventeenth. And December the 17th was the last time he gave up four goals in a game. In each of his last three starts, he's given up two goals or less. Um, so, you're right. He is on a kind of a roll. But you look at his backup, Anders Nielsen. Um, there was one point in the season, I think it was around November or December, where Nielsen was getting most of the starts. And he right. was looking pretty good, too. And yes. Talbot was just, you know, still trying to find his groove. And, and now that he's found it, so you look at Nielsen, the success he had earlier this year, and he's an RFA next year too. Right now, despite the fact they're probably not winning as many games as they should, they're losing yeah. a lot of close games, a lot of which in overtime or a shootout. They're just not getting the wins. Right. But it, it's certainly a promising sign for a team like Edmonton when both of your goalies are starting to find their groove, because that was defense is, is still a work in progress in Edmonton, mind you. But when you have your goaltending. Uh, consistently giving you a chance to win, that's a good problem to have if you're Edmonton. And good on Cam Talbot. I'm, I'm glad he's 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 having success and, and proving that maybe last year wasn't a fluke after all. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, I, I don't have anything against Cam Talbot. Um, and he was definitely a big part of the Rangers um, in their President Trophy run, uh, winning the President Trophy last year. Um, especially so, when was hurt. Yeah, especially when that happened. 
Um, so, like, he is capable of being a good goaltender. Um, I, I'm just worried that since he was, you know, he wasn't that great at the beginning of the year, and um, I'm just wondering if he, you know, if he's going to be consistent is the issue. Um, so we'll see. It's something to keep an eye on, um, for sure. Uh, all right, uh, the next one, uh, Joe, uh, speaking of contracts, um, Joe, Joel Quinville got a three-year extension. Um, he also, I think he won the other day. Um, he becomes the second winniest coach in NHL history. Um, also, you mentioned before, Patrick Kane got his first regular hat trick, which is kind of hard to believe considering he's been in the league like about like seven years, maybe more or uh, less. Um, Blackhawks are on 10, they have won 10 straight. They're finally back, and they're beating Montreal right now, three to one in the third period. So, um, so they're they're on their way to the eleventh. Um, by the way, Quenville's projected to hit eight hundred career wins by season end. I, yeah. I at the at the rate the Hawks are playing right now, anyway. Yeah, and uh, you know it's definitely that contract is definitely what's worth it. I think he's probably. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, I guess you could make a case for Daryl Sutter, but he's definitely the best coach in the NHL right now. Um, it's, yeah. Which is kind of interesting, too, considering earlier in his year, before he won all these Stanley Cups, there were there were so many rumors that they were going to fire the guy. Um, and then he, you know, he kind of proved them wrong. So, um, you know, when especially... three Stanley Cups in, in eight seasons with the team, we'll, yeah. we'll get a lot of people to shut up. <laughs> exactly. But, um, there, there was talk of... You know, um, if you're if there were, if he was uh, looking at Scotty Bowman trying to break his record, and he he said with a smirk and a chuckle, Scotty is safe. <laughs> um, if you look at the fact that he's there's there's still a lot of work uh, to be done because he's about 460 wins behind Bowman, um, and while he has three Stanley Cups to his name, Scotty has um, I think 14. So Joel is going to need another 11 just to tie him. Yeah. Uh, and believe it or not, he's only won the Jack Adams Award once, and that was all the way back in 2000. So definitely one of the more underrated coaches for a while, and now that he's got a contract that's paying him at least $5 million a year, people don't realize, I don't think, just how much coaches get paid. Only a handful get paid upwards $5 million a year. One of them is John Tortorella, who to this day – is getting paid that amount of coin by a team he doesn't even coach anymore. Right. Yeah, it's funny that you mention uh, Scotty Bowman, because if you know the um, the Blackhawks GM is Stan Bowman, who is, I yeah. believe, his uh, son. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think Scotty's with the Blackhawks organization, too. Yeah, that's also too. So it would be, it'd be kind of funny if like he, he just... He's just he's like he gets fired like yeah. like like one <laughs> game before he becomes the yeah. we'll see about that. Yeah. Um I didn't know that. But yeah, um it's definitely well worth it. He's definitely the best um coach in the league, I would say. Um there's not even a question about players it. Too. When yeah. players have your back that helps. Yeah, and especially this year when you don't have guys like Sharp and Oduya who are big parts of the team inside who are big yeah. parts of the team, um, you know, and you're able to, you know, manage the team. And last year, with all the rumors that were going on, um, I mean, a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, guys like Taze and um, and Keith, who are big, like, clubhouse guys. But at the same yeah. time, you know, he knows how to manage the team. Um, and with all the Patrick Kane allegations, too. So that's stuff that could... Um, could ruin a team, and it hasn't. It only has made them stronger. Um, as, as the Dallas Stars will have, uh, have shown us in the past, it's one thing to put a get to put together a great team on paper. It's another to actually get them going in the same direction. And time and time and time again, Quenville's been able to do that. So yeah. it's definitely worth the money for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the only coach that would be comparable is Babcock, but um, yeah. I, I think or uh, Sutter. As far as success goes, or, or Sutter. Sutter up there, yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe Hitchcock, but um, <laughs> the, 
Hitchcock has to has to win one has to like you know make it into into the second round. Um, yeah. Although he was good when he was the Stars coach uh, in yeah, the nineties. Yeah, he, he, he went to pass four rounds one time. Yeah, yeah. All ninety nine. All right. Uh, so then there's a trade. Uh, so the trade uh, keeps the trade. Um, I don't know what the word is, but. Keeps on going on. Um, David Perron and uh, is it Glenn Clendenning? I don't think that's right. Adam Clendenning. Adam Clendenning. <laughs> Glenn Clendenning. That'd be funny. Um, he got tri- the so the uh, the Penguins traded them to the Anaheim Ducks for Carl Haglin. So it's like two uh, two teams that needed wingers um, to help with their depth of scoring. Uh, the Penguins uh, won today five nothing. I don't think Carl Hagelin had any points though, but he did play. Um, but uh, Anaheim plays today too, or is playing right now against the Kings, and I believe uh, Perron is playing. Yeah, Perron is playing. So um, um, it's it's one of those like a lot of these trades like last week as well. It's like it's tough to know. It's tough to evaluate them until we see more about them um, in a couple well, of weeks. How about we evaluate that Edom for Haglund trade in the off season? That's really paying dividends, and I say right. Edom got <laughs> yeah. Edom got traded too, right? So he got traded. He got traded uh, a couple of times after he got traded from Anaheim to yeah. the Rangers. He's since in Montreal, right? So yeah, so they both and got. Now Haglund is a Penguin. Yeah. I thought it was uh, it was funny that there was a guy, um, or like the uh, this guy tweeted out that he um, he just bought a Haglin Ducks jersey, <laughs> and then um, and then the Ducks. Well, what was nice about it was the Ducks, um, uh, like sent him a direct message or something that like they were gonna exchange it because you know, I guess that's not oh, fair. That's nice. that's yeah. Nice. But it's funny because for me, in terms of like uniforms, we're getting off a little, little off topic. But I like I always get. So I had a Phil Kessel jersey. I have, I just have bad luck with it. I had a John Lester jersey, a um, Wes Welker jersey. Yeah. Put Dominic Hasek on the back, and four minutes and four months later, he's gone. Right. Oh, I I almost forgot that Hasek was a senator. Yeah, yeah, like you just like a lot of people do. Yeah, so so what? So that jersey, I haven't for, changed them. Just right. like if I change it, they're gonna leave down. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's almost a curse than a reward. You know, you should always get like the players that you hate <laughs> um, to for the to buy their jerseys. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah. Denning, by the way, they acquired uh, Pittsburgh his services. Um, and yeah. the Nick Benino trade in the off season, so a lot of change for him too in, in the right. last couple of months. And I mean, David Perron previously played for the Blues and Oilers, so this is his fourth NHL team. So yeah, it's, I it's, think the only thing left to assess in this trade is both of the uh, every single person in this trade has been uh, going through a lot of hotel rooms and, yeah. and, a, and a lot of NHL cities to get where they are right now. Yeah, I think it's um it's an interesting trade because I think whoever went, well first off the Penguins needed defense, um and then they traded away uh, Clint Denning, um and for like a, just a winger, um so I guess it's more for depth stuff. I'm looking here on Daily Faceoff, which you know you get your up to date line combinations. Um, he's yeah. on a line with Kessel and Malkin, so um, <laughs> that's not too bad. But um, Haglin is, um. But uh, he's a speedy guy, though. Yeah, he's yeah, he was great. He was great on the. Six, he was, which is pretty interesting. He was great on the Rangers. Um, but uh, yeah, not so good on the Ducks. I think like whoever, whoever, the whoever does better, a uh, Perron or Haglin will win this trade. It's one of those things where you could see either yeah. team winning, and they both needed forwards. So, um, I guess, but. I feel like the Penguins might have wanted more defense, um, and they didn't address that need. But um, whatever, they won five nothing today. Today, so I can't really 
criticize them. I will lose my voice on account of laughing so hard if this is actually the trade that turns the Penguin season around. Castle yeah. to Pittsburgh, that doesn't do it. Castle <laughs> to Pittsburgh, <yeah. laughs> That would be funny. Well, their coach is doing well, so uh, I don't know. I it's think just, They're starting to play better. Yeah, they're play starting to play better. I think they're in the playoff hunt right now, so um, yeah, they're still in the hunt they could still sure. do it. Um, speaking of playoff hopes, if there were any, uh, for the Leafs, uh, JVR is out for six to eight weeks, um, yeah. which, I mean, I guess isn't as big of a deal as we <laughs> just mentioned, because the Leafs are in rebuilding mode, but um, we should mention that JVR is out six to eight weeks. Um, yeah. It could force them in the Austin Matthews sweepstakes. Uh, right. They've only scored five goals in their last five games, scoring one goal or less in four of those games, including that 7 nothing loss uh, in the Shark Tank. Not surprisingly, they've lost every single one of those five games <laughs> I just mentioned. And uh, JBR, all he's done is get 29 points in 40 games, so a huge loss for their offense as we too. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's obviously a big loss, and Babcock's a good coach. But um, that is a big part. JVR is a big part of their team. So, um, yeah, you're right. It is. It'll probably force them to rebuild instead of um, planning the parade. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, Sam, uh, speaking of um, prospects or looking at prospects, uh, we got uh, Sam Bennett. We got a mixture of prospects who are or a couple of years ago, and now are making it big in the NHL. So we got Sam Bennett, who got four a four-goal game against Florida. Um, I forget exactly what day it was, but he's the third youngest ever to get four Wednesday, goals. Game. Wednesday night. Wednesday night. Uh, he had a goal the game before, and then he had a goal yesterday. So that makes it six goals in three games. Um, and, you know, he's he's been struggling lately, but... I think he was put on a line. He's finally put on a line with Yuri Hudler, which has helped him a lot. Um, so um, he may, you know, he may just be uh, hot um, now, and you know, he's, uh, he's, he's been a hot and cold player in his rookie right. season. Like I remember, he, he got off to a, a very subpar start, and, yeah. and then he started to pick it up for a ten-game stretch, and then he slowed down again, and now he's red hot again. Uh, you, you know when you can do a pull-up and score four goals in the same night that things are going well for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that so was always... It, it, things are going yeah. pretty good for Bennett right now. He's he, When he's on his game, he can really take over. But uh, um, there, are, there have been times where he just um, is a non-factor. And, and you know, it's a, the kid's a rookie. you got to give him some time to develop. And yep. obviously, confidence-wise, that's... And he's it's only been, it's been on and off, but if like like you said, when things are going right and and you're feeling good about yourself, you're feeling good about your team, yeah. and um, it's pretty good to be Sam Bennett right now. Yeah, I have a feeling because he is on the same draft class as Ekblad, Reinhardt, which we'll yeah. get to, and uh, Drysital. Um, and I I have a feeling that Bennett will be the best of that draft class in a couple of years. Um, just with the way he's playing. And if you see all these yeah. goals, it's like, it's crazy how he's been able to do it. So He plays with an edge, too. He can yeah. hit. Yeah, that, too. And the, I think, like, the that whole pull-up thing was, like, the whole pull-up story was such a, like, a overreaction by people. It's like... Yeah, I, for, for those who don't remember, well, right. refresh your memory. Yeah, yeah I should have done that. He couldn't do a single pull-up. Yeah, uh, but it was later discovered that he had a shoulder that injury. That he had shoulder problems, so I'm wondering if that had anything to do with it. It must have. Yeah, I mean, but he doesn't. I mean, I guess it's not that surprising because he didn't look like he he's like that thin um, in terms of muscle. Um, yeah. So I don't know, but I felt like that was kind of um, an overblown story because it's like, well, but you I, know. I, I, it's an overblown story, but now it's just a little bit of a running joke. Yeah. And he's and the other running joke is that he's nineteen year old Sam Bennett, where that's all the announcers say. But um but like but like in terms of my point is that like Patrick Kane, like I don't think he did well in this combine either. 
um, and look what he's doing now. So there are several examples of people, yeah. you know, posting shit results in the combine uh, and having prolific careers, not just in hockey and all sports. Yeah, yeah, true. Tom Brady Shane had Hill, at least one. Tom Brady had the worst standing yeah, combine. <laughs> well, I have to. I'm a Patriots guy, you know. Yeah, of course. Um. Yeah, so uh, Reinhardt had a hat trick on Sunday um, as well. Uh, it was same a, I am, speaking of another Sam. Yeah, another Sam in the same draft class too. So, um, so now and then they and then there's Drysital. So um, and Ekblad, I think Ekblad's injured, but um, they're looking like a good uh, draft class. Um, oh, and uh, that was a Vander Kane's uh, return to Winnipeg. Uh, it was it was fitting that Evander Kane uh, like assisted. He could have scored the goal because it was an empty netter, but he helped out his his rookie teammate um, on getting that hat trick. So it was kind of like a it would have been an fu if he scored, but it's also an fu for being a better teammate. Um, <laughs> so um, it was it was uh, it was nice of him to do that. It was it was a good gesture for yeah. sure. That win, by the way, is actually the first January victory by Buffalo in over two years. Really? I didn't even know that. Uh, I think maybe on the road, but oh, okay. it was some crazy stat. I mean, I could believe it, considering how Buffalo hasn't um, yeah. <laughs> has been quote-unquote rebuilding. Um, and then uh, speaking of another guy uh, who is a top draft pick, although not as high as Reinhardt or Bennett were, but uh, Bo Horvat has nine points in the last seven games. Um, he was the guy, if you don't remember, he was the guy who, uh, um, when the, uh, they traded, uh, Corey, the Canucks traded Corey Schneider um, and got a ninth uh, draft ninth pick back. Draft pick. That was, that was that Bo was Horvat. Um, so he's finally <laughs> living up. Um, two expectations. They played today, but they didn't. He didn't score today, but um, it's still. Uh, um, I guess again, we'll though. see. Yeah, they won. Um, so Vancouver is doing well too. So um, it's all the. Uh, it's all good on the uh, Western Canada front. How about Jakob Markstrom though? Like uh, earlier in, in the podcast, um, in, in our earlier episodes, I I questioned over and over the Canucks' decision. To tri- uh, to pick Jakob Markstrom over Eddie Lack, yeah, and he's looking good. Yeah, he is looking good, and especially with uh, Lack, who was struggling earlier in the year, um, he's gotten a little bit better, but still not as much. But um, yeah, it's uh, Markstrom has looked good too. So um, I guess it was, <laughs> guess Benny knows what he's talking about. Maybe. <laughs> mm. It's always weird to talk about definites with these things because it's like, then the next thing I know is like Markstrom's gonna like get like, like allow yeah, like six goals in a row. Story. Yeah, it'd be a different story if they were in the other division. Instead, they're in the easiest division in hockey right now. Right, right. So they That's have a true. chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think there would be much of an uproar if they're in the toughest division where you need a win every single night almost to keep pace with everybody. Yeah, but because they're in the Pacific Division, there's you know, that, that, um, that kind of confidence building that you're just like, it's okay, we're still in this, you know, this division is still can get in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. The other way around there, and the other division, I, I don't, I don't know if patience would be, uh, would be a, a common word to use in Vancouver right now. Right. Well, I'm looking at it right now, I'm looking at the standings right now, um, San Jose is third, well, San Jose and Vancouver are tied for third in the Pacific. With uh, get this forty eight points. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, it's a very winnable uh, division. Um. But speaking of Vancouver, uh, the Florida Panthers, their streak ended to the Canucks um, at twelve. Um. And uh, the ending in OT as well. Yeah. I don't know what caused that. Oh yeah, yeah. I think like. Yeah, I noticed that like Daniel Sedin like uh like went over to the bench or something and then he punched um Montoya or something like that. Um 
I think he was taunting there, and then and then there was a bit of back and forth barking or whatever. Right. And then Vancouver took exception to that or something. Yeah, and Florida has lost three straight after that, or yeah. has lost their next two games, I should say. Especially um, the Calgary, they were down five to nothing in the second. At one right, right. Yeah, I remember that. Was that. Big there. But um, yeah, I don't know what happened there. Um, yeah, because it's, it's unusual for the Sedins to even like start a fight, even so, <laughs> um, to even fight. So um, it must have been something. Um, I, I was thinking maybe it had something to do with Luongo being there, but I don't think Luongo is even around. So. There was an incident with Alex Burroughs where, where he gave, like... Of course, Burroughs. Why am I so not surprised? Lost once or twice, but Longo was smiling after that, so I don't... I, I think it was all in good fun. I right. Think he, 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 I don't think uh, Burroughs meant any ill will. He was just trying to get under Bobby Lou's skin a little bit. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I think I saw that gif or whatever, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so yeah, we ju- we did talk about Eddie Lack, um, but now we're going to talk about the whole team of the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, right now, they are well. They it's kind of well actually now they're six six in the Metropolitan Division, but they were on a four. Yeah, they won. They were on a four. They were fourth. Uh, they were on a four game win streak, and then they lost their last two. Um, one to Pittsburgh, who. Uh, usurp them so um but uh yeah so i guess this isn't as great of a topic now because we can't really talk about them but because they're now getting more starts than cam ward that's what i kind of expected because cam ward's going to be a free agent as i mentioned before in the podcast and if they're going to trade him they need to see what eddie lack has and the fact is eddie lack is getting the wins and cam ward isn't and um, and with guys like uh, Justin Falk, uh, Victor Rask, um, Elias Lindholm, uh, Jeff Skinner, and Jordan Stahl finally getting it together, you know, yeah, Carolina. Yeah, Carolina's finally, uh, you know, kind of, <laughs> and they have uh, Bill Peters has done a tremendous job with them. So, um, although they lost five nothing today to Pittsburgh. Um, Honestly, I didn't expect them to be doing this good. Yeah, at this point in the season, like above five hundred team, I thought they'd be in the running for Austin Matthews. Well, like they're just them. barely above five hundred. They could, yeah. <laughs> uh, they could. They're still kind of. I wouldn't get ahead of ourselves yet, but, um, but because uh, they're in a they're in a tough division for sure. But um, well, look at New Jersey here. They're they have um. You know they're at fifth place. They have Corey Schneider, who's I think the hottest goaltender now. So, um, you know that's a tough division with Metropolitan, especially with all those goalies in the centers. So, yeah. Um. All right. Let's see. What's the other one? So as yeah, speaking of the Metropolitan division, we got uh, Brian Holtby, who was twenty-one nothing and two. Right, but he lost yesterday, so now he's 21-1-2. Today he played um, the Rangers, but was taken out for undisclosed injuries, but he is for sure the front-runner right now for the Vezina Trophy, uh, regardless. So he's 21-1-2, as you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But, um, yeah, he is... I remember you wrote on Facebook that you didn't think he was elite yet, but I think you can consider him elite now. Um, I, like, he's, he's good. Like, I'll give credit where credit is due. Brayden Holtby's a good bully, but he hasn't been this good for an extended period of time, like the Pecorines, the Anarchalunquists, the, the Corey Crawfords of, of the NHL. But I would, I would argue... And, 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 that's that's why I wouldn't consider him an elite just yet. But if he continues his play this year and he goes on another playoff run with the Washington Capitals, then I'd put him in that category. I just haven't seen enough of him to call him an elite goalie. He's been the best goalie, I think, for the past 18 months. But I, I need to see a little bit more from him before I can put the elite tag on him. He's getting close, and he's been he's been – 
He's been making the race for the Vezina look easy. I think, it, it, without a doubt, he's the front runner for the Vezina trophy by a mile and a half. Well, Luongo, but... Considering yeah. an, an elite goalie, I, I'd still like to see a little bit more from him. Well, I'm looking at his career stats. He's been in the league six years right now. Um, yeah. And his worst season was 2013-2014 with his save percentage of 9.15. His highest was uh, his rookie year with 9.34 save percentage. But uh, the one that he had the most... Um, like last year, he had a 9.23 save percentage. Um, it's true he hasn't had a goal against average below one, but he's he's getting two. He had 2.22 last season. He has 1.97 right now. I mean, I would. I I don't think there. You could. I guess you could make a case that Lundqvist and Price went healthy. Of course, um, Price is definitely the best goaltender right now. Yeah. But. Um, I don't think I can't think of another goaltender. Maybe Corey Crawford, um, who's been better um, in the past two years. Um, so um, for me, I consider him elite. But I do see what you're saying that you just want to see him be more consistent um, before you <laughs> you call him um, I would, an elite. I, I, like I said, it's it's not going to take too much more for me to call him elite. I'd still like to see a bit more. But no doubt about it, he's playing like an elite goalie right now. Yeah. Okay, that's fair enough. I'll leave it at that. That's that's something I can I can handle. Uh, speaking of getting the almost elite, but not really. Uh, <laughs> uh, lar- larger. I should say larger. Uh, speaking of needing more of a sample size. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. So Louis Domingue. Louis Domingue. I thought I thought it was like Dominique or something, but yeah, Domingue. I so too. I, I hear it's Louis Domingue. I okay, Domingue. Right. Okay, so Domingue is seven zero and three as a starter, but there were two games where he took over from Mike Smith on the regular season, so he lost those games. So it's still an impressive stat, nonetheless, that he's seven two and three on the regular season. And seven zero and three as a regular, as a starter. Um, so yeah, the Coyotes, as we were mentioning before, the uh, uh, Coyotes are in a really weak division. Um, so like this kind of thing is like um, almost to be expected—not expected, but it's. I'm wondering what would happen if the Coyotes weren't in um, a weak division. Like how well would Dominique play? Um, don't mean, you know what I mean? Honestly, Mike Smith, when he was at his A game, it was the reason why the Coyotes were so successful. And he was a big part of their success even this year, too. When Mike Smith got hurt, I thought, okay, this is where everything falls off the rails. Right. And for whatever reason, it hasn't. Yeah. We're waiting for it to fall off the rails. It hasn't happened yet. Dominguez picked up where Smith has left off, and he's provided stable goaltending for them for the most part. Yeah. And they've still been able to sneak out victories. And, and and Dave Tippett, with all due respect, Dave Tippett has been a bigger part of this team's success than a lot of people realize. He's he's, he's one of the more underrated coaches uh, in, in the league. I don't think he gets enough credit for what he does. And Domi Duclair, uh, that tandem has been... I think played a, a bigger role in the Coyotes' success than I honestly thought they would this year. I, I know they're going to be good and they have a lot of upside, but I didn't think that uh, they were going to be this good this fast. And they they have certainly given Arizona fans a lot to be happy about. Um, and a lot of people were just you know waiting for the day they were probably going to draft Austin Matthews first yeah. overall. And I think that's what everyone was expecting, but. If they keep playing like this, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So. They're kind of like the uh, the Calgary Flames of last year, where yeah, people just keep yeah. on expecting them to lose, and they keep a winning. Couple years before that, or the Avalanche, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is also kind of a shame too, considering that Austin Matthews is a you know is from Arizona. Yeah. Um, so I I kind of wanted him there too, but. Um, Whatever, I, but you're right. It's true. Dave Tippett is a good coach, and and even even if they don't get Austin Matthews, they have a a good bright future with uh, Domi Duclair 
and Dylan Strome in their farm they system. They have also so. Brendan Perlini and Nick Merkley, yeah. too. And OEL, and OEL will probably get a... Um, well, first, he'll probably get an all-star nod now. Um, and secondly, he'll probably win a Norris sometime in his future. Yeah, so, Oliver Ekman-Larsen, if it's not him, that's going in place of John Scott. It'll yeah. either be Duclair or Domi. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to guess it's OEL. But I think since they have three defensemen that are going, I don't know. Um, they might. I mean, I was. John Scott's a defenseman too, so OEL would make. Oh, is John Scott? I thought he was a forward for some reason. Yeah, I thought so too. I think he's a defense actually. Okay, so yeah, why so then that makes why sense. Why the Canadians trade Jared Tenorti as a defenseman? If, if I don't they, know. Like the Jocks, well, they, they wouldn't. They wouldn't uh, trade Scott. Uh, trade for John Scott for you know the position they already had enough of. That's true. So. Um, all right, let's go to the Bruins Sens segment that we have. Um, yeah, that ends our rapid fire. I forget if I talked about the Bruins first or last episode, but I'm just going to... I think the last one, I, I think, um, well, we all talked about them at the exact same time because... Right, because they were playing the that day. they played. So I might as well, I guess, talk about that game itself. Yeah, that's fine, that's fine. Go ahead. You can uh, well, gloat. Gloat all you want, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ottawa won. Um, it, was a, it was a well-played game. We were playing better. Just, um, it was like, it's kind of interesting for me in terms of, well, not interesting. It was, it's, uh, I would have complained so hard because we... Lost to the Rangers the same kind of way, and we lost to, um, we just kept on giving up leads in, uh, in the third period. We just couldn't do it. I'm blanking on who else we played this week. The Flyers. The Flyers, yeah, that was that another game. Of losses. Yeah, and then it was to the point where, like, I, like, I was just nervous when we had the lead ever. <laughs> um, so we finally had the lead. Um, against Buffalo, we, we won 4-1, but, like, the entire third period, I was just like, don't blow it, don't blow it, don't blow it. Um, and then, uh, Toronto, so yeah, and then we won over Toronto yesterday, um, uh, luckily, um, because the refs kind of screwed us up, but, uh, Marshawn scored in the last minute and he got his payback, because they called the goal off earlier in the game, where, uh, where Marshawn scored, but then they called it off. So um, why did they call it off? I didn't actually. It see was uh, it was because there was offsides, which I guess, uh, um, which was like borderline offsides. I guess I hate when that happens too. It's like why didn't you call it offsides when it happened instead of yeah. like doing this whole thing? So just waiting for coaches to say, Yeah, yeah. Why was it offside there? Yeah, um, but uh. So that that was uh, that was annoying, but at least we won. Uh, thank God. Um, it would have sucked if we lost um, again to Buffalo and Toronto in the third, especially when Buffalo had that five game third period goal uh, game a while ago. So, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, so that puts the Bruins in third in the Atlantic Division yeah. right now. Um, it's but like Florida and Detroit, if I know. Yeah, yeah. Correct. But uh, yeah, in front of yeah, Florida, Detroit, and I think I think Ottawa is just out of it. Montreal is the wild card. I forget who the other Ottawa's wild card is. Six in Atlantic, yeah. Um, I believe. Oh, Tampa Bay. Oh yeah. Oh no! It's, oh, I'm looking at the right now. So the uh, Tampa Bay has, is third now. Oh, because they won uh, today. So. Oh. So okay. Tampa Bay's third, Boston's fourth, so Montreal's fifth. A wild card team. Yeah, we're a wild card team again. But like, it's it's so strange because I feel like Boston is. I mean, you could say the same for Ottawa too. Is that we're not good enough to to make it far in the playoffs, and we're not bad enough to like rebuild. Yeah, we're not bad enough to be in a rebuild. So we're in that like yeah. weird, awkward stage where we're in, like in the exact middle. We're just mediocre. Yeah, no. So like when it, I know that trade the trade deadlines overcoming and it's not like if we get like a guy like Yandel or if we get a guy like um, Shattenkirk, 
I don't like it, I don't know if if we need that like we likely would have to get rid of a guy like Louis Erickson who is a big part of why we're doing so well anyway so um it's, it's a tough decision right now in terms of like if we're buyers or sellers at this point in time um I assume that's the same for Ottawa too um yeah. Yeah, and you got another divisional test coming up, and and you're paying a visit to Montreal on Tuesday. Like yeah. this is a team that's doing all they can to get on the right track, except get the two points. Like <laughs> that game against St. Louis, like Alexei Emlin absolutely oh, leveled. Yeah. Like I can't remember who. I saw part of that game. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. He, he just absolutely plastered the guy. Uh, it looked like a clean hit too. Like he, he just he just got the better end of him. It might have looked like he got uh, elbow to face kind of deal, but or maybe leaned in with the elbow a little bit. It certainly looked like it, but I don't think he really made contact. It was just a nice clean hit. Yeah. Um, and they were out shooting St. Louis thirty nine to sixteen after two periods. They finished the game with forty nine shots. St. Louis somehow ties the game late, and then. Unlucky turnover there by Montreal in overtime, and they lose. Yeah. So a game they should have won slipped away from their fingers, and now they're probably. I, I think they're out of the playoffs, aren't they? Who the Bruins? With, with Boston, uh, no. Montreal has the. They have the second. Fifth in the division, aren't they? They have the. They have the second wild card. Oh, they have the second wild card. Okay. Yeah. And and di- I assume they're. If they haven't lost to Chicago, they are they're they're still losing at the Yeah, moment. yeah, they're they're yeah, they're about seventeen seconds from losing to Chicago right now. And what's uh, what's the score just curious? Five two. Okay. Um so yeah, they're running into Chicago twice and lose to Saint Louis, so that'll be you know, zero and three against uh, two powerhouses in the West, which is kinda, you know, expected. But right. The Bruins have a Montreal on Tuesday that's still trying uh, to get on the right track. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about Ottawa now. but Well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get to that. But then after that, they host the Canucks and Blue Jackets, yeah. two teams that John Torella's coached, one of which he still coaches. Both teams also struggling to find their groove. So if you look at your schedule, you got three winnable games. Yeah, that's true. So if you can get at least four of a possible six points, you take that any day in a week. Yeah, true. I mean, it is looking bright. I just, I just worry about our defense, really. Um, yeah, you've been worrying about that for a lot this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've been, yeah. I'm, I'm at least consistent. I'm, I'm yeah. just because I know we're young, and I knew it was going to improve. It, it, they have surprised me. Um, Seinberg and Char have been really good. Uh, have been better than I thought they would be. Um, but it's still like. I don't think we have enough to even make it. If we make the playoffs, I don't think we'll have enough to be far into the playoffs. So it's it's kind of the same with Ottawa. Yeah. They, they got outscored eleven to two in their first two games of their five game road trip. Now, of course, in all due respect to them, they got spanked seven to one by a Washington team that's right. the cream crop in the East right now. But they lost to Anaheim four to one. They let that game slip away in the third period. They were tied with one. Uh, they were tied 1-1 with Anaheim at one point, and um, they had a chance to win, but three goals by the Ducks in the third period changed that. They were trailing the LA Kings 3-1 early in the third, and then all of a sudden they scored four unanswered in the final frame, take a 5-3 win, and salvage two points. Um, as, as usual, saving their scoring to the final frame, but they get the result that they're looking for. And now they've got games against San Jose and New Jersey, then they host the Islanders on Friday and the Rangers on sa- on uh, Sunday, this coming Sunday. So it's 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 not going to be an easy schedule for Ottawa coming up, but if they can finish this road trip strong and take care of business at home, all of a sudden they're right back in the thick of things in the playoff picture, and they're still yeah. in the thick of it. But if they continue to lose hockey games, the further and further they slip away from the pack, especially if the pack continues to gain ground on them. Yeah, well, I'm looking right now. So Florida has 57 points. Detroit has 53 points. Tampa Bay has 52. Boston has 51. Montreal has 50. And your Ottawa Senators have 48. So it's very close in the Atlantic Division. So, um, yeah. It's I a, love Detroit, though, eh? Morazic yeah. in 29 games. And Tampa. 16 wins. And 16 Tampa. Wins. 
And Tampa Bay has finally gotten it together, and they're ahead of, you know, now they're in the third spot, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess we all expected that to happen. I expected Morazic to really run run with it in Detroit, though. Yeah, that's a good point. He's on pace for 30 wins. Yeah, that is a good point. Um, I think that's it. Um, yeah, I think we covered everything this week. Yeah, um, until next time, I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth, and we will talk again in episode number 16 of the Lace Muff Podcast, and we hope to hear from you as well. Take yes, care. take care.